Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, I'm so glad and honored that you are joining us here today. And even though we're not all able to be in God's house, we really do believe that God is in your house and are so glad that you are joining us. We're in the midst of a series that we've been calling How To and looking at um, some truths from Scripture, primarily the pastoral epistles, which are the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, to pastoral apprentices that he had leading some of the churches that Paul had started. And today in our how-to series, we're, we're going to talk about something I think every one of us can relate to. When I grew up, I grew up in a house and lived right next door to my cousin. And so just about every day I would spend time with my cousin. We would play basketball. We would play baseball. We would hang out with the neighbors. We spent a lot of time together which also meant we spent a lot of time arguing. And I can remember my grandma, who actually lived with my cousin right next door, I can remember her saying um, to us at times, why can't you two just get along? Why can't you two just agree? And here's the deal. There will be many times in our lives where we will not agree with other people because we think differently, we act differently, we're we're even created by God differently, which will at times lead us to places of disagreement. Here's the truth. Disagreement is a part of life. And at some point, we have to come to terms with this. There will be times when we will disagree with other people. I think that's really important for us as followers of Jesus because there's times when I think we we begin to have this idea that if I'm a Christ follower, if I'm a disciple, if I'm a Christian, then maybe I won't ever have disagreements with other people. Then maybe there'll be times when everything will just go perfectly. We'll never disagree. Here's the reality. Because we're human and because we live in a fallen world and because we're each individuals, there will be times when we disagree. We may disagree over something theological. We may disagree over something political. It may be something in our relationships. It may be something practical. Whatever sphere of influence you might be in, there is the opportunity for you to disagree. So what do you do when you face a disagreement? Now, when the Apostle Paul sent Timothy to the church in Ephesus, there were real challenges there. And part of it was that people were not agreeing with each other. There were things that were being taught. There were ideas about how to live. There there was confrontation amongst one another. And Paul tells Timothy, I'm sending you there to help bring this church together, that you would help to teach them how they should live. And part of it is, how do you handle this disagreement? It's good that we know that, and it's also good that we know a little bit about Timothy's backstory. So instead of being in First or Second Timothy today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts. And I, I really hope you will, in either a print or a digital form, follow along as we look at some of these scriptures today. We're, we're going to kind of take a quick tour of two chapters in the book of Acts and see, if you will, Timothy's backstory. Like, where did he come from? Here's what we read about how Timothy joined Paul's missionary team. Acts chapter 16, verse 1, tells us about what we refer to as Paul's second missionary journey. So he had already been to some places and started churches. Now he's on a return trip, and he's visiting those churches again. And it says this, Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. 
The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So Paul, who who probably knew Timothy's family from the first time he was there, had seen something in young Timothy and realized that there was potential, that he had a call of God on his life. So he wanted to take Timothy with him. That's how Timothy becomes one of Paul's assistant pastors. And we read this later in that chapter, verse 4, that as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Now, when we just read verse 4 there, we don't know what Paul's going to tell them about. We don't know what the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem was. So to understand that, because it's critical to Timothy's mission as a part of Paul's team, we have to go back to chapter 15. And what we realize is chapter 15 is all about disagreement. And chapter 15 shows us what Paul ends up teaching Timothy about, and this is our subject for today, how to disagree. That when you're in a place where you're in a, in a point of disagreement with someone else, how do you do that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as, as someone who probably has some strong convictions and principles, but also wants to live out your faith How do we disagree with others? So today, we're just going to look at two things from these stories in Acts chapter 15 and 16 that help us to know how to disagree. In Acts chapter 15, the story that we see, and I encourage you to go and read this for yourself, is that when Paul, and he had a partner in ministry named Barnabas, they kind of worked together as a team. When Paul and Barnabas were in a city called Antioch, there were these people who came and said, you can't be a Christian unless you follow the Jewish law. And they were throwing out all these things that they said, to be a Christian, you have to follow Jewish law. But they were saying it to a lot of people who weren't Jewish. And Paul and Barnabas were bothered by that because they knew that salvation, being a Christian, wasn't based on what you did. It was based on what Jesus had done, what what he did on the cross for us, that it was because of grace, that it was in faith that we found salvation. So the Bible tells us that there was a sharp dispute and debate between Paul and Barnabas and these other people who had come. And in the midst of this argument, the Bible says that this whole crew of people ends up in Jerusalem and they have this discussion. They have what we refer to as the Council of Jerusalem and they reach a decision on how they're going to agree. We learn two things from this on what to do when you disagree. You see this as it plays out from the Council of Jerusalem. The first thing, when you're in a place of disagreement, number one, you have to determine what really matters. See, there were all these voices in Acts chapter 15 that were saying, well, we should do this, or Christians should do that, or you need to respond in this way to this conflict, or to this drama, or to this controversy. And what the leaders had to do in Acts chapter 15 was determine what really matters, Two things that that I think kind of emerge from their discussions that are important for us to see. One is that the leading of the Holy Spirit matters. This group of people had as their priority, not just that they wanted to make a good decision, but that they wanted to make a decision based on what God would have for them to do, that the leading of the Holy Spirit matters. Because after all their debate, after all the things they talked about, here was their response. Acts chapter 15, verse 28 says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. We'll look at those requirements in just a moment, but it's really important for us to see that there. 
that they had this leading, they had this sense that the Holy Spirit was guiding them. They said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In times when you have to make a decision, and especially in places where there's disagreement, what you really need is a sense of peace from the Holy Spirit. You might not always be convinced that things are gonna work out perfectly. You might not always have all the answers, but we move forward with the Holy Spirit. If you were with us last week, you know we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and helps us. And one of the things that happens as you allow the Holy Spirit to help you is that he begins to be able to guide you. In fact, Jesus said he'll, he'll guide us into truth, that he will be the one who counsels us. He'll give us his insight. And we have to be open when we're in a point of disagreement to saying, Holy Spirit, will you help me? That may mean that, that you're open to the Holy Spirit helping you to see things from a different perspective. It may mean that you're open to the Holy Spirit bringing insight to you, maybe through God's word, maybe through the counsel of others, maybe just in your own spirit that you, you, you kind of have some things that come to your mind or come to your, your senses, if you will, to help you to understand that the Holy Spirit is leading you in these places. Here's a couple things that are important for you to know. One, the Holy Spirit will always lead and guide you in ways that line up with the word of God. The Holy Spirit's never gonna tell you to do one thing that contradicts what God's word says. He will bring to your mind, he will teach you things that are in line with what the scriptures say. We also see in this passage that what the Holy Spirit does is as the Holy Spirit leads us, he leads us in ways that are encouraging. Now, sometimes they'll be convicting, but they won't be condemning. And when we allow the Spirit to lead us, even though it may be in difficult ways and places, he will do it in a way that encourages and strengthens us. See, in Acts chapter 15, verse 31, as the decision that was reached in the midst of this disagreement is being delivered to the churches, the Bible says this, the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. So when you disagree, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. What is it that as you trust him seems right to you with the peace and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that brings encouragement, that lines up with truth, because what the Holy Spirit says matters. And if you're looking to, to determine what really matters, a second thing you need to consider is that other people matter. The decision that was made at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, the, the one about all this disagreement, was not just based on what somebody thought was right, it was based on what was best, that other people matter. In fact, when James, who was the leader of the church in that place, made a statement, he says this, Acts chapter 15, verse 19, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And if you're like me, you read that and you go, I don't know what any of that means. It doesn't make sense to us because it's written to a group of people 2,000 years ago. Their culture was somewhat different. Their, their uh, practices were different. And also the challenges were different between the Jews and the Gentiles. But if you think of what he says there, he says, here's the things that really matter. Stay away from idols because you have to put God first. Stay away from sexual immorality because we need to live a life that's pleasing to God. 
And then when he mentions these dietary restrictions, talking about meat and blood, what he's speaking about is in a church that had people from two different backgrounds, Jewish and Gentile, he was saying that they need to be careful to live in a way where they don't offend one another. He's saying to the Gentiles, when you are together with the Jewish people, stay away from those things. It wasn't so much prohibitions on their own individual lives, but on the ways that they interacted with one another because other people matter. The way you interact with other people makes a huge difference. So when you disagree with someone, recognize that your words and your actions have more consequence than just for you, that there are other people watching. In the midst of disagreement, there are other people who will watch how you handle that disagreement because it will affect them as well. I mean, I can tell you, I know that there are responses that I have in my life, probably both good and bad, because I watched how my dad handled challenging situations. And there's things in my life that I learned because I saw how he handled those moments of tension or frustration or challenge or disagreement. How you interact affects other people. Other people matter. The decisions you make, the words you say, they make a difference. That's why Paul talks to Timothy about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remember, Timothy's pastoring a church in a community in a time when there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things floating out there. And I want you to see what Paul says to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I, I read that and I'm like, man, that's, that's some strong language there. He says, look, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. There is so much there to think about and unpack. I, I can tell you this, as a person, when, when I'm playing a game, I want to win. I'm one of those people that if, if, you're, if you're playing a game and you reach the end of a hand, if you're, if you're playing Uno or, or some card game, or you, you reach the end of a, of a game with a board game, and if I don't win, I want to play again. Because, hey, let's, let's, let's play again because I want another chance because I want to win. I, I'm not satisfied until I get to that point. I think a lot of us have that competitive streak, not just when we're playing a game, but also when we're interacting with other people. And I can tell you, it really comes out when you disagree. Because there's these times when it's like, man, I just want to win. I just want to do the right thing. And so I will throw a lot of other things out the window to be able to claim that place of victory. But that's not what Paul says here. What he says to Timothy is he says, hey, don't even go near it. Don't have anything to do with things that aren't going to be fruitful. He, he calls them foolish and stupid arguments. Instead, did you see what he said? Listen to the, the qualities of what he refers to as the Lord's servant. He says that we're not to be quarrelsome, we're to be kind, we're to be teachable and to be able to teach others, not resentful, to be gentle, to be hopeful. And ultimately, he says, our role is to rescue other people by the way that we live. So here's an encouragement to you. Be careful that you do not win an argument and then lose the person. This is critically important in our relationships. 
that we're careful that we do not win an argument, but end up losing that person. We end up losing that relationship with that person. As as I was thinking about this passage, I, I went back to a season in my life where I was so sure about something. I was so sure. I was adamant. And when I finally came around to the point where I realized that maybe I had not been as right as I thought I was, it took me a long time to come back to the person who I had offended in the process and ask for their forgiveness and admit that I was wrong. And I actually didn't do a very humble job of it anyways. And I can tell you that that relationship has never been the same because I was so focused on winning that in the end, it ended up putting me in a place where I was losing. Now look, that can happen in our relationships, but let me take it one more step. Be careful that you do not focus on what is temporary and jeopardize the eternal. Be careful that you do not focus on what is temporary and then jeopardize the eternal. In disagreement, you have to determine what really matters. Look, I know for some of you, whether it was in a relationship or whether maybe it was in a church, maybe there's been places where you have been hurt so deeply that it's hard for you to ever move past that hurt. But as a result, it's caused you to have your guard up in your relationships and maybe even ultimately in your relationship with God. Look, look on a regular basis, I talk to people who say, I got so hurt in this place that I can't open up that part of my life, even to the point that people will push the church away, they'll push other people away, they'll even push God away. And there's eternal consequences because at times in my life I can be so focused on what is temporary. And if you've been hurt, if you've been challenged in these ways, can I encourage you, take your eyes off of what is temporary and be open to saying, God, can can I be open to what you wanna do in my life again? And this is a big deal in the lives of others too. Your children are watching, your friends are watching, other people are watching. This is really important in the midst of a pandemic. This is really important in an election year. This is really important in a culture where with the click of a mouse or with the push of a button on our phone, we can send something out. We can make statements about things that are temporary that can affect us and even others in a way that is eternal. What we learn from this story in Acts chapter 15 is that when there's a disagreement, we have to decide what, we have to determine what really matters. Then, once you've done that, once you determine what really matters with the help of the Holy Spirit, considering others, seeing what God's word says, once you get to that point, here's the second thing we see in this passage of scripture. Number two, then you have to decide how to move forward. It's not enough to just kind of say, well, I I gotta figure out what really matters. Then I have to decide, how am I gonna move forward in this situation? Like, Like, what's the next step? What do we do in this process? And what you see in Acts chapter 15 is that these leaders in the church They write a letter that's gonna go to these other places to help them to understand how they're to live, what they're to do. They send out a group of individuals as a united front to do this. And there's a couple of factors that we see as we read through chapter 15 and then on into chapter 16 in the book of Acts that get us up to the place where Timothy is joining Paul. So this is the season that Timothy's living in. And what we find here is some things that help us to know how to move forward. The first is this, you have to move forward with grace. You have to move forward with grace. 
Look, the, the reality is that you've been given grace and I've been given grace and how critical it is that we move forward, that we treat others with grace as well in our lives. This story in Acts chapter 15 is such an incredible story because so many like who's who's of scripture are there. James, the leader of the church, is there, and Paul and Barnabas are there, and Peter, who's the apostle we read about in the Gospels and so, so critical in the book of Acts, he's there as well. And he tells a story about the time in Acts chapter 10 where God helped people, uh, Peter to see that the gospel was for the Gentiles and not just the Jewish people. And he says this as he's telling this story in verse 11. He says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. He says, look, everything we have, all of us, every single one of us, no matter where we're from or what we look like or what we've done or, or who, who we think we are, all of us need God's grace. See, so many times I think when I'm, when I'm trying to figure out a disagreement, I start with who's right and who's wrong. How much different would it be if I started with grace? If I remembered the forgiveness that God has given to me? Look, I'm so thankful for God's grace, and I need to be willing to give it to others. You may be familiar with the story that Jesus tells about the, the person who needed forgiveness and so the king, who, who he owed so much money, the king was owed all this money and then forgave this man, gave him forgiveness, gave him grace. And then the man goes right out and, and finds another person who owes him just a little bit of money, and he has vengeance on him that eventually ends up this guy in prison. And then the, the guy, the first guy that was forgiven comes back to the king, and the king says, look, I forgave you so much, and yet you can't forgive a little See, there's a place for grace in our lives. And when we realize how much God has given us grace, it helps us to show grace to others. Now, let's be honest about this for a moment. There is a balance between grace and truth. I'm not saying that we just throw truth out the window. I'm not saying that there's not convictions that we have or things that we hold on to or principles that we don't give up. But there is a place in our lives where we need to find this balance between grace and truth. We move forward with grace And then as you read on in chapter 15, let me challenge you with the thought that you move forward with honor. You move forward with honor. See, now the story changes a little bit. This is actually what opens up the door for Timothy. The the story changes a little bit because all through the book of Acts up to this point, when we've read about the apostle Paul, he's almost always been with his friend Barnabas. They were a team. They they were a missionary team who traveled and started these churches. They were the ones at this council of Jerusalem who spoke about what God was doing among the Gentiles. But then we read this. Look at this in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So you can go back and read the story that on that first journey, they got to a certain point. And this guy, that John, who's also called Mark, he ends up kind of, we're not exactly sure what happened. We just know he bailed on the trip. We don't know if he wimped out. We don't know if he got scared. We don't know if he he wasn't committed. We just know he disappeared. Barnabas says, hey, hey, Paul, when, when we go on Missionary 2.0, let's, let's take Mark with us. He's a good kid. Paul goes, mm, no, nah, man, I don't think so. 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust that kid. And Barnabas is like, well, I, I know he had a hard time last time, but he's really grown a lot, and I think this would be good for him. And Paul said, no, this mission's too important. We can't jeopardize this. And so they have this back and forth. We, we don't know exactly how it went. Here's what we do know, though. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. That, that's like separating Batman and Robin. SpongeBob and Patrick. I mean, it's like, it's like ripping a team apart that seems to belong together. And all of a sudden now you've got Paul and Barnabas with such a sharp disagreement that they have to separate and part company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. They go in two different directions because they reach a point where they can't agree. It's good for us to know, we started with this, right? That disagreement is a natural part of life. And it's good for us to know that our differences may lead to disagreement. Sometimes it's our background, sometimes it's our thinking, sometimes it's, it's just the way that we, we are created by God or wired, that there are places where, where we have these differences. Barnabas was a real nurturer, so he, he wanted to bring John Mark along and help him to grow. Paul was, was on a mission. He was a driver, and he didn't want anything to slow them down. And those very differences that had helped them be successful in the past now led to a disagreement in the future. And what we see is that our differences may lead to disagreement. And in this case, disagreement may require distance. Disagreement may require distance. I don't think it's always plan A, and I don't know that it's the first thing that we should do. And there are some relationships in, in our family, and especially in the relationship of marriage, where this is not an option outside of the, the certain um, provisions that God makes in his word. But what we do see in scripture is that there are these times where we may need to distance ourselves from other people I want to challenge you that you move forward in those places with honor. You see it in Paul and Barnabas. You don't see them speaking poorly of one another. In fact, later in one of his letters, Paul actually speaks in a way where you can tell he is affirming and speaking highly of Barnabas. So you have to understand that just because there's distance doesn't mean that there has to be dishonor. Distance is not dissing. You ever heard that term, to diss someone, to put them down? Well, distance is not dissing. You can honor someone even if there's distance between you. And I stress this because there's times when we see it in Scripture, just because you have a disagreement, it doesn't mean that you have to dishonor another person. You know, people feel really strongly about their sports. We know that um, in our part of the world, especially because of the rivalry between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines, and it's, it's something that comes up in all kinds of different areas. In other parts of the world, you see that. You see that in the rivalry between Alabama and Auburn. So I read recently about a guy who was a huge Alabama fan, and he said, I hated the people who were fans of Auburn. On the campus in the University of Auburn, they have uh, in years past what was called Tumor's Oaks. They were these trees that had been there for about 40 years. They were 40-foot tall trees. And every time that the team would win, they would, they would roll the trees, they called it. They would take toilet paper, and they would cover these trees in toilet paper. It was part of their kind of victory celebration. They were iconic. They stood in this beautiful part of, of the campus and everybody knew what they were and students would come and gather there after a victory. They were an iconic part of the existence of an Auburn fan on that campus. And then in 2011, 
a guy named Harvey Updike bought some high um, potency poison and poisoned those trees. He did what he could to kill Tumor's Oaks. And he ended up serving time about six months for what he did. And here's what he said. I wanted Auburn people to hate me as much as I hate them. Isn't that a fascinating thing? That this guy had allowed his disagreement over a football team to become so deep inside of him that it was not only toxic inside of him, but it led him to do something toxic as well. Two years later, those trees had to be removed because the chemicals that he had poisoned them with were so deadly to those trees that it was killing them. One man's toxic attitude led to the destruction of a whole community symbol of life and victory. Look, that hate that was in him, that disagreement that was there, not only consumed him and cost him so much, but it cost others something as well. I want to encourage you, just because you have a disagreement doesn't mean it has to become toxic inside of you. Doesn't mean you have to lose out because of it. Doesn't mean you have to give up on your own character or make these decisions that you will regret. You can disagree and not self-destruct. And the Holy Spirit can help in that if you'll move forward with grace, if you move forward as a person of honor. And then here's, here's the little twist that comes in this story. I want to challenge you to move forward with sacrifice. Move forward with sacrifice. Okay, go back, go back to the whole premise of where we started. We're looking at Timothy's backstory. What was it like when Paul came and recruited Timothy to his missionary team, right? And so you've got this happening. Paul recruits Timothy because he goes back to his hometown. But let me read for you again Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey so, let's pick up with what we didn't read the last time, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. I want you to catch what's happening here, which almost seems like a bit of a contradiction, right? Because in chapter 15, the whole decision was you don't have to follow the Jewish law to be a Christian. And you get to chapter 16, and when Timothy's going to go with Paul, it says that he has to follow the Jewish principle of circumcision, that he has to follow this Jewish law. Paul says, Timothy, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not going to be comfortable. I guarantee you it's not something that you want to do, but it's something important for you to do because he needed to respond in a way that would not be what was in his mind for what's best, but what was in God's mind for what was best. This is really critical that sometimes in disagreement, we have to move forward with sacrifice. See, for Timothy to have a voice as someone who was part Jewish, he would need to follow some of those Jewish customs. And they were going to go to places where Paul was trying to reach Jewish people. They were going to walk into synagogues. They were going to communicate the gospel. And if Timothy wanted to be effective at what God had called him to do, then that meant he was going to have to go through a process that he did not have to go through. He did not want to go through it. But let me ask you a question. Consider this for yourself. 
Am I willing to do what I do not have to do in order to do what I'm called to do? Am I willing to do what I do not have to do in order to do what I'm called to do? Look, there will be things that God calls you to do that will cost you something, and you will have to move forward with sacrifice. You will have to choose, am I more concerned about my privilege, or am I more concerned about my rights, or am I more concerned about my comfort, or am I more concerned about what I want, or do I want to do what God has called me to do? We often think of this in the terms of those that are going to be missionaries, or we often think of that in terms of maybe giving of our finances, but it's in every part of our lives. Look, service costs us something. Change costs us something. Love costs us something. Ministry costs us something. Victory costs us something. If you're going to lead someone, it is going to cost you something. And understand, ask yourself the question, and I don't know what it might be in your world, but if you're going to love others, if you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, if you're going to show grace, and if you're going to show honor, and if you're going to sacrifice, if you're going to be used by God, then you might need to ask yourself, am I willing to do what I do not have to do in order to do what God has called me to do. Sometimes then in a disagreement, that means me choosing love instead of winning. Sometimes in a tough situation, that means I choose grace instead of choosing the, the intellectual argument. Sometimes that means that I'm gonna be willing to sacrifice what I want because God wants to do something else through me. You have to determine what really matters and then decide how you're gonna move forward. And ultimately, can I challenge you with this? That you would decide to move forward with Jesus. Look, here's the reality. If we look at the example that Christ gave to us, at the end of the day, what really matters? The example that Christ gave to us is he didn't have to go to the cross. He chose to do it willingly. He didn't have to give his life, but he loved us so much. He cared for us so much. He gave his life for us to such an extent that even though he didn't have to go to the cross, he went to the cross so he could do what God called him to do. And then he says to me, and then he says to you, are you willing to take up your cross and follow me? See, in the midst of any disagreement, let me just be honest, in the midst of any difficulty, at some point I have to make a choice. Am I focused more on what I want in my life or am I focused more on what Jesus wants from my life? Will I move forward with him? See, Paul knew something. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, Timothy, I've given everything so that I could live out the calling that God has given to me. And he challenges Timothy to do the same. And he challenges us to do the same. And even in the midst of disagreement, would you make Jesus the center of your life? I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes right now, wherever you are, that you just take a moment and kind of look inside your own heart. What's at the center of your life? Like what's in the center of your heart? And if you put yourself in a place where you know that the most important thing in your life is who Jesus is and who he's called you to be. As we sing this song together, as we conclude this service, 
Would you take a moment and search your own heart, especially if you're in a moment where there's some tension or there's some disagreement, to say, God, what really matters in my life? And what, what choice would you have for me to make? And doing that with Jesus at the center. Father, in these next few moments, would you speak to our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you come alongside of us and lead us? Father, more than being right, more than winning an argument, may we move forward with grace and with honor and with sacrifice. May we live with Jesus at the center of it all. May that be the focus of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you. It's from my heart 
from wherever you may be watching this or listening to this, would you just take a moment and ask yourself, Jesus, in, in this season, in my relationships, in my interactions, even in my disagreements, I want you to be the center of it all. And I even wonder if maybe for some of us, the places where we disagree is that we've been disagreeing with God. We've been wanting to do it our way instead of doing it his way. We've been wanting to win instead of being willing to submit our lives to him. And maybe, maybe you're watching this and for the very first time, you need to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Or maybe in this moment, you need to say, Jesus, I give you this part of my life. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I want you to join with me in this. In fact, if you're open, would you, and you're able, would you just put your hands in a posture to receive and just say, Jesus, I invite you to be the center of my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I give you my life. Give me your direction and your purpose. May I live for what really matters and move forward with you at the center of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray for those that are watching, listening to this today. God, would you go with them? Lord, in these moments where they're walking through life, in these difficult times in which we live, Father, would you help us to be people with you at the center? Lord, may we look to you. God, may we trust in you. And even in those times when we disagree, May your grace and your love, your person come out in our lives as we look to you. God, would you bless our homes? Would you bless our lives with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching. It is our privilege to be able to have you join us for these online services. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.